So when you think about Rodney King, the famous thing that we all remember is him saying, "People, I, um, I just, I just want to say, you know, can we, can we all get along? Can we, can we get along? Can't we, we all, all just, just get, get along? along?" And when he said it, Dustin, it was as if he'd been so beaten, broke down by the system. It was all he could say. Fast forward to now. Of a black Must man's be posture. palatable in order for us to have compassion for them losing their life at the hands of police violence. Do they have, does a black man have to show up stripped of all autonomy, power, and agency in order for them to be deemed worthy of life? Hey, y'all, I'm Ebony K. Williams. Now, I'm your host, also attorney at law. Welcome to Holding Court with Ebony K. Williams, where we're going to analyze the very latest legal headlines, stuff everybody's already talking about, but we're going to dig in deeper. We're going to dig into how the courts impact the culture. Now, we're going to break it all down for you, go straight from gavel to your news feed. And every week, Dustin, we're going to do it 100. We're going to keep it 1,000% honest with folks, because that's what we do, right? That's what we do, Ebony. <laughs> that's right. It's your boy, Dustin, you guys. Uh, let's hold court. Let's hold court. <laughs> yes. Here we go. So here's the thing. Going back to 92, Dustin. Mm-hmm. We see in 2020 the world, not even just America, right? The world has had like this reaction. Yes. Uh, a racial reckoning, yes. some people are calling it. Why? The catalyst? Well, we saw a brother named George Floyd mm-hmm. be brutally killed. The life suffered out of him. Literally in front of our eyes. In front of our eyes, on camera, we saw a law enforcement officer by the name of Derek Chauvin mm-hmm. with three other officers just mm-hmm. watching mm-hmm. as this man put his knee on this man's neck, Dustin, for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Unbelievable. And and the world was horrified. And America was horrified. And I'm going to tell you this, white America mm-hmm. in particular mm-hmm. seemed very horrified. Mm-hmm. And it just made me, Dustin, go back into my mind and think about the first time yep. that we all saw the viral before it was viral of yep. a black man being hurt, brutalized, and and really left for dead, truth be told, mm-hmm. by law enforcement. And that was in 92 with Rodney King. That's right. The first time. Do you remember, like, with the, like just the... The, a, do you remember the video? Because I know we were young. Mm-hmm. But I got to ask you as a black man... As a black kid at mm-hmm. that point, Dustin, do you remember the video itself? And do you remember, like, the climate? Like, how Absolutely. shit was going down? Vividly, I remember mm-hmm. it. And it felt a lot like, again, the parallel that you just mentioned. It felt a lot like it feels today, except I'm grown this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but back mm-hmm. then, I remember just a reaction across our nation and on the news. I would watch the Today Show in Good Morning America with my mom every morning. Mm-hmm. That was kind of our thing. And I remember the way that the country was reacting to this this situation. I remember learning what police brutality was mm-hmm. through that experience. I remember the way my father and my brother and my uncles and my, my male cousins who were older than me, I remember the way that they reacted and the sense of familiarity that existed with that sort of, of violence yeah. and the way it resonated amongst them, amongst these members of my community. And I was a little kid watching all that. Mm-hmm. So I remember feeling as if something was really really wrong you know in a in a way that was different than anything i had ever felt before yeah because i think yeah. we've never seen it like never. you said we'd we knew always about heard it. right we knew about it people were having what we call now the talk it's yeah. so crazy by the way right remember when the talk used to be about sex yeah now the talk is about talking to your brown and black 
children about how to deal with law enforcement. So, That's yeah, so true, Ebony. In, intracommunally, Dustin, we've been knowing about police brutality. But I feel like Rodney King mm-hmm. was the first time the country and the world saw it. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy that here we are, what, damn near 30 years later, mm-hmm. and it's like it's seeing it for the first time. All over again. And so that's why I want to go here, Dustin, on this episode, because I my instincts tell me, my instincts as a human, my instincts as a black woman, my instincts as an attorney, mm-hmm. tell me there's lessons mm-hmm. in what happened in 92 and what didn't happen, because mm-hmm. we know ultimately those officers saw no prosecution at all nothing everybody was acquitted that shit was wild that led to pandemonium we'll get into it yeah but i want us to learn those lessons so that when we go into what's about to go down Mm -hmm. with george floyd Mm -hmm. and his killers we can be better prepared and maybe just maybe dustin ross there's something to be learned that puts us in better position i'm with that to deal with what's about to go down absolutely all right so we're going to get into all of that But first, I want to get into some of these week's uh, legal headlines. All right, so first up on the docket this week is uh, a young lady that I've actually, Dustin, grown extremely fond of. She's really become a friend in my head, and that is the... Absolutely. Yeah, the Meg, the Stallion, and she is gracing the cover of GQ this month for their 20... Gorgeous cover, by the way. Gorgeous cover. Beautiful girl, yeah. Gorgeous cover, GQ's um, 25th Annual Man of the Year. So Meg is speaking out about something that is extremely important, and that is Black women not only finding Dustin, but using our voices. And, and this is a woman who's used her voice artistically, but, but really politically and as an advocate for women. So to get to why she's on our docket, we know that Meg allegedly was involved in a, a gruesome, terrible altercation. Um, yes. Not the right word, actually assault because the altercation would imply that it's some back and forth involved and that is not what yeah. they're describing right she's describing that basically she was trying to exit the vehicle dustin um and for whatever reason tori lanes a fellow rapper of course uh allegedly shot this woman in her feet multiple yeah. times yeah what kind and of shit is that what kind of shit is that that's that sounds crazy, by the way. Why are you shooting somebody in their feet as they're just trying to exit the vehicle? But that's exactly what Meg describes. And then, you know, a lot of back and forth. If, if you recall, when this came out really over the summer, Dustin, it was playing out on social media. So I want to just stop right here. So in the social media age that we live in, unfortunately, a lot of things that involve facts get lost in the shuffle due to trials on social media. You know what yeah, I'm saying? You absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Um, I definitely think that Megan was held to a court of public opinion that was uh, not fair. It was very unfair to her. Um, it was plain and simple. He ain't but four foot one inches anyway, so it made perfect sense that it was a low shot. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, seriously, though, well, she told a story that made perfect sense. And then it was also backed up by photo evidence from the hospital that said, damn it, she was shot. She's not lying about being shot. So so I never really understood where that question came from in everyone's minds, but you know, the internet go internet, so. The internet interneted and this young lady was, um, her trauma of actually Mm -hmm. being shot, um, if you you believe the allegation, which I'm just gonna admit I do. I I do as well. 
Yeah, because when she tells the, the story or even when he tells the story, it was only two people in the car, Dustin. Okay, it's only two people in the car, a driver. She ends up getting out of the vehicle and she's absolutely shot. So who the hell shot her? And, and, and furthermore, even in his, because uh, I did watch his live where he was trying to, I guess, explain himself after his album came out where he went into detail about things that were completely insignificant to the real question on everyone's mind, which is whether or not he shot this young lady. Um, but everything that he offered as, as, as part of his story just was completely inconsequential. So uh, he was talking in circles and it just did not look believable no. um, when you lined it up against what Megan had to say and her recount of the evening. So it's just a, a, a terrible situation. I know there's charges against him now, yep. um, felony charges. So yep. this is really just getting started in the legal system, right, Ebony? And we're going to get to really unpack all the elements of this because this is actually extremely layered. And it's a great opportunity for us as the culture, right? To unpack right. some of the, the, the repetitive, toxic, problematic elements as to why people, victims, and victims, to be clear, could be a woman, could be a man, could be yeah. a child. You know what I mean? Uh, why victims self-sabotage, why victims blame themselves, beat up on themselves, and ultimately um, take themselves out of the opportunity of justice. And, and I think that that is what was happening here with Meg the Stallion, because part of why social media was just doing the fucking most is Meg did initially uh, lie about what happened to her. Like, let's, mm -hmm. let's just tell the truth. She did initially say, when asked by police what happened, how she obtained the wounds, why she was bleeding profusely at her feet, Meg said she was cut, okay? So we know that's different than being shot. And the reason she said she said that was because she didn't want things to escalate with the police, which is another way of saying she basically didn't want Tory Lanez to be shot and killed by law enforcement. Exactly, because exactly. Because he was shot unrelated to you know, whatever the fuck was about to pop off with law enforcement. So that's a layer, right, Dustin? That's a layer that says, and I'm going to tell you, I, I I know exactly what this woman is talking about. This was this summer. I was sitting outside my building. You've been to my house. You know, how, you know, yes. you, know you know, the vibes over here. Yes, so I do. Let's just say, you know, it's a nice area. Okay. It's a nice mm -hmm. area. I'm sitting outside literally right by the building, D. Ross, uh, mm -hmm. having, having a latte and working on my laptop. Yes. I have my dog, Carrie James. You met Carrie. Yes. James. I love Miss Carrie, baby. Miss Carrie, baby. And, and Carrie was just on, on the leash playing beside my feet. A, a gentleman came up. He was clearly of some type of uh, Latino or Hispanic origin. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he came up a brown, brown skinned brother. And at first was friendly and asking to play with the dog. And I was like, sure, go ahead. You can play with her a little bit. She was still on her leash. And then at some point he wanted to engage me, Dustin, you know, like ask me a bunch okay. of questions and talking and talking. And I was working and you know how I am about my work, you know? Yes, I you're like, focused, oh, laser yeah. focused. Yeah. These bills do not pay themselves, baby. Hello. So, <laughs> I'm focused. <laughs> so I was very polite though, Dustin. I said, you know what, sir? I would love to talk more, but I'm, on a, I'm about to get on a call. I'm doing some work. So I'm going to ask you to just enjoy your day. And it was great yeah. no chatting. Take your ass on. What I say that for, Dustin Ross, this man became belligerent. Think you all that black bitch? Da, 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 da. Oh, no. Nah. 
So I'm like this, I felt very vulnerable. Okay. Cause I was out there by myself. Mm-hmm. I was looking around to see if there was anyone that could intervene, assist, mm-hmm. protect. Um, but you know what? My first thought was, I'm not going to call the police mm-hmm. because what I don't want is for this man. I don't know what his situation is. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's ill. I don't know if he's intoxicated, high on drugs, but I don't want him to die over this. I thought that. I literally thought that. And it was literally the reason I felt that conflict. So I say that to say this, going back to Meg the Stallion. That is a real thing, Dustin, that I'm going to say is particularly Black women feel when it comes to when we engage with conflict with men of color and Black men especially. Right? We need some intervention for sure. But we don't want y'all to die for it. Yeah. And it's fucked up that you have to be in a position where, you know, someone is wronging you and then you have to also be empathetic to that person and and, and have some compassion toward them and their humanity in that moment. It's exactly. fucked up. You can't just feel how you feel, you know, during that circumstance. So yeah. that's terrible. And my heart goes out to you and Meg and everybody else who's experienced that, you know. Yeah, it's a lot. And, you know, Meg, in this GQ piece, Dustin, you know, she's extremely, uh, she's extremely candid. And she's, yes, things. yeah, she's very vulnerable here. And she, listen, she's sharing some things that I, I know for a fact, excuse me, a lot of women feel, especially Meg and I actually just have a lot in common, which was we're uh, only children and we're both raised mm-hmm. by single moms, right? Mm-hmm. So she talks about how she watched her mom take on so much raising her and just having to put that mask on right yeah quote strong black woman you got shit to do you got to work you got to raise your kids you got to provide you got to pay the bills you got to make the food so whatever the world is giving to you you can't even unpack it yeah she said just black girls learn that early i believe was the quote in the article right that's the exact quote megan added to the magazine I feel like a lot of black girls learn that early. I did. I do that a lot. And mm-hmm. I do too, Dustin. I'm going to tell you. Yep. I do, um, you know, my grandmother passed, Katie passed Thursday morning of last week. You didn't know that. I'm telling you this live on air because of what Meg is referring to. Put the mask on. Keep fucking going. I'm so sorry about that, Ebony. Thank thank you, Dustin. And I know you are. And I feel that love and I appreciate that. And I got to be candid with you. It's hard for me to even receive people's compassion for me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because the standard I hold myself to, because like Meg, I learned it early from my mom, who I'm sure learned it early from her mom. You know what I mean? It's just, just keep going. You know, it's a Teflon resiliency that that is just unforgiving. Oh, man. Yeah. So So sorry, friend. Thank you, my dear. And listen, I think I think what Meg is saying at her young age of 25 is important. And and her first call to action, I'm just going to repeat it here because it bears repeating. I want black women to be louder. I want us to be sassier. I want us to demand more, be more outspoken, keep speaking and just keep demanding what you deserve. Don't change. Just get better. Grow from these situations. Don't be beating yourself up. I'm going to say that part again. Don't be beating yourself up about these situations. Mm -hmm. I feel we keep this stuff in. And there's some kind of way we flip it on ourselves. We didn't fuck up. We didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. um, 
And I, I want to leave it there for now. We will go much deeper with what happened with Meg the Stallion, her being shot allegedly by Tory Lanez, this man facing felony charges that yeah. will be coming up very soon. It's a lot there. A now, lot to unpack. So uh, stay tuned for that. But I just want to leave with Megan's last words on that, Dustin. We didn't do anything wrong. And we got to stop caping for wrongdoers, yeah. toxic motherfuckers at our own expense. Yeah, that's simple. Next up on the docket, I want to discuss Russell Simmons. Speaking of toxic men. Okay. <laughs> Because I do indeed believe he's toxic and, and I'm unapologetic about my belief system there. But in this particular case on the docket, because we do follow facts here and not just opinion, it's important to note that Russell Simmons, one of his accusers, in this case, an anonymous Jane Doe accuser, uh, she, she lost her claim. She was filing a civil lawsuit in the amount of $10 million. She filed originally mm. Dustin in 2018. L.A. Superior Court uh, ruled basically to dismiss it on summary judgment. I want to tell you what summary judgment is in a minute, but keep stay with me for one second. L.A. Superior Court judge dismissed on summary judgment because what's important to note here is when we talk about statute of limitations, I want to be clear, that can look different based off of where you are. We call that jurisdiction and also what crime or tort in this case is being alleged. So it's looking like in California, as it relates to this type of sexual assault tort, it, it, it used to be maybe two or three years. And then there's been a recent, rather recent extension that now says that statute of limitations is 10 years. Ah. Which which would, yeah, and that would make it make sense, right? While a claim that alleged uh, in 1988, but not filed until 2018, would be considered outside of that statute of limitations. Hence, yeah. missile on summary judgment. Her dumbass lawyer did not even respond to the initial judgment. And, and so that's the end of the road for this particular Jane Doe. That's how we got here. This is very suspect. I, I, this looks like bad lawyering to me. I'm not saying Russell Simmons raped this particular woman, but I'm going to tell you okay. what I find him to be a toxic man in a second. Okay. But I will tell you this, this Jane Doe's case was dismissed on summary judgment, which basically means it's just dismissed outright up front. Okay, that's kind of what summary judgment means. It means a, a judge is saying, based on a limited number of facts presented in, what we, in the first claim, it's not even enough here to go to trial. Wow. Yeah, it's not even enough here to go to trial. And that can happen easily because of a violation of statute of limitations. So basically, even if everything in your claim is true, you filed it too late. It's not a timely filing. So we got to go ahead and dismiss this already. It can't even see the, day, the, the light of day at trial. But pay attention here, Dustin, because part of the reason why this was summary judgment dismissal and then there was an opportunity for her to respond. Her lawyer didn't say shit. Her lawyer didn't respond. And then eventually he has been disbarred. I saw that. It said for that? unrelated uh, circumstances or some shit like that. So it also sounds like this young lady had a very bad lawyer. Very bad. A very bad lawyer who allowed the initial summary judgment to take place and did not respond. So judgment mm -hmm. was entered just this week on November 13th. 
uh, in favor of Russell Simmons. So Russell Simmons with a dismissal for this, but I want to say go, uh, why I think he's still toxic. And, and listen, I don't know if you, Dustin Ross, have seen the HBO Max documentary on the record. Have you seen that? I have not, unfortunately, no. I'm on a, I am familiar, though. Yeah, I, I want to encourage you to watch it. And I watched it in preparation to interview... Who was I? Oh, interviewing Angela Yee, our good friend. Okay, yes. Because I'm not sure if you recall, you probably do, being the cultural connoisseur that you are. It was a little <laughs> dust-up. It was a little mm -hmm. dust-up when... The Breakfast Club interviewed Russell Simmons. Mm -hmm. People felt a way that he was being given a platform. Mm -hmm. He made, I think, a compelling point, which is that, yes, you could argue he was being given a platform, but you could also argue that her questions, Yee's questions in particular, were holding this man to account for this allegedly abusive criminal behavior. I remember that conversation vividly. Right, right. Yes. And if you recall... Russell Simmons was not answering Angela Yee's questions. Mm -hmm. Russell Simmons was avoiding and to me dismissing this journalist on her own damn show. Uh, so I will fuck with Russell Simmons off, off that alone. I, you, you know, yeah. enough for me. Not for, then when you go watch this documentary on the record, which features several accusers, but I want to talk about one in particular. This is a sister named Drew Dixon. Mm -hmm. If you don't know about Drew Dixon, you need to. I did not know about Drew mm -hmm. Dixon before I watched this, but I then went into the internet archives yes. uh, afterwards and realized this woman is a, is a, not that it's about this, but she's an Ivy League educated executive. She mm -hmm. comes from a historic Black family. Uh, her mother was the mayor of D.C., Chocolate City. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. This is a woman who worked from the youngest of age as an advocate for her people and women and the culture. She also is an extremely high level executive in the music business, Dustin, when not a lot of women at all were able to ascend to those heights. Yes. You know? uh, and you, shit, it's still not a lot of women at those heights. So for Drew to have done this in the 90s, it, it's epic, it's massive. And of course, some of her dealings included the iconic Russell Simmons. And uh, I'll let you watch and I'll let our listeners who haven't seen this see it. Um, but just know that, that Drew, for me, Extremely credible. Yeah. Extremely consistent. Mm -hmm. Didn't seem to have any kind of chip on her shoulder. Didn't seem to be out to gain anything other than to just finally tell her truth. Mm -hmm. in a way That will allow other women like, oh, I don't know, Meg the Stallion mm -hmm. to be able to tell her truth. Yeah, very important. So I'm definitely going to be watching that. And it looks like the jurors have a little homework, too, this week. Yep. Um, but it's important to be well informed about things like this and to actually just believe victims. You need to. So, yeah, you need to. And look, yeah, here's the thing, too. I want to say something on that note. Right. Believe victims. Now, I have been a criminal defense attorney for most of my legal career. So if anybody, Dustin, has the space, mm -hmm. the head space, the heart space to be objective, right? Yes. And to really say, well, just because someone is accused of something doesn't mean they're guilty. Of course, right? Guilty, right. And I think in our society that can be lost, right? That that once you, someone says you did something, you did it, you're guilty, court of opinion, you know, open and shut case, you're canceled. You know, I don't subscribe to that bullshit. I know you don't subscribe. No, to that no. 
So it's not that we necessarily, right, believe every alleged victim. But, and I talk about this in Pretty Powerful, my book, let's look at some things that can help us, some tools to help us assess who should be believed. You're absolutely right. It is important to actually verbally say that Mm-hmm. Um, we do believe credible, um, credible um, victims. victims. Yes, we do. Yeah. And it is important to make that distinction because we have to leave room for the fact that unfortunately there are people who take advantage of that Indeed. and, and, and tell things that are not necessarily the truth. So you're absolutely right. Ebony. Okay. So Dustin, listen, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to wrap up the docket with uh, a fascinating story. This is about NBA bucks, uh, NBA Milwaukee Bucks player Sterling Brown settling uh, a suit with the city and the police department for $750,000. We'll talk about exactly why and how that happened when we come back. Okay, last up on the docket. NBA Bucks player Sterling Brown, not to be confused, with Brother Sterling K. Brown from, I just want to be clear. Okay, Okay, please say that K. I know you know about that, Abby. You know, I know about that. And you know what, just full stop. Let me just take a minute. Mm -hmm. Because I get a lot of shit, Dustin Ross, Mm -hmm. about the fact that I insist upon the K being in Ebony K. Williams. It's just one letter. A is just one letter. B, Ebony Williams is a very generic ass name for a black woman in America, okay? (laughs) It's a lot of Ebony Williams. It is. You know, just like it's a lot of Stephen Smith. Yeah. So my dear friend and mentor, Stephen A. Smith, is Stephen A. Smith. That's right. But nobody say shit to Stephen A. When he That's wants right. to be Stephen A. So why are the people coming for me, Dustin? Why can't I be Ebony K? And what is it really taking of you to say one damn letter? You know, it's a, it's a whole new type of laziness that's going on. <laughs> it's one letter. If I ask you to put a handle on my shit, put a handle on my shit. It's Ebony K. Williams. That's it. I completely understand. And it's not a big ask. I don't think so. I don't think so. Can I buy a continent? Exactly. Damn. (laughs) Okay. So back to Sterling Brown, not to be confused with Sterling K. Brown, the actor. This is an NBA player, right? NBA Bucks player, to be exact. And this brother has agreed to settle. Mm Mm-hmm. An uh, excessive force claim with the Milwaukee Police Department and the city of Milwaukee for $750,000. Okay, so that's not far from a million bucks. Um, Let's just run these facts down. Back January 2018, here's that year again, Milwaukee police confronted uh, this brother, Sterling Brown, the basketball player, for allegedly, allegedly parking his car across two handicapped spaces while he was in a drugstore. First point about that, uh, that's not a crime. Mm -hmm. At worst, that's a parking violation. That's Mm -hmm. important. Let me continue. Body camera footage does show that the officers uh, started engaging with him as soon as he came out the drugstore questioning him, you know, running up on him. He uh, acknowledged that, you know, yeah, that's me. I double parked, whatever. But then it escalated. The law enforcement started to call backup. Then some officers, Dustin, turned their body cams off, suspect, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, but some didn't, so we do see some footage. And this man was tased. Yeah. I want to say he was shot with a stun gun by the shot, mm-hmm. by the cops. And an officer stepped on this man's ankle. Yeah. And I want to talk about 
if they stepped on John Doe's ankle, it's a problem. When you step on the ankle of a man who makes his living with his body. Yep. And they were asking him, are you that guy from the Bucks? Are you that guy from the Milwaukee Bucks? So they knew what the fuck they were doing. They knew what the fuck they were doing. They also, listen to this shit they said. This really bothered me. While stepping on his ankle, taunting him, uh, tasing him, made fun of him and, and, and joked about any potential civil rights complaints he might make. Let me tell you what that tells me. It tells me what I've been knowing and talking about for several years now which is these officers know there's no legal accountability to be had. Mm-hmm. That's why they're laughing and joking. Like basically fuck your civil rights claim. We don't give a shit about that. All that's going to happen is the taxpayers of this jurisdiction what might give you a little bread and we're going to keep our jobs. We're going to keep our coins and we're going to go about the business. And guess what? They really were right. All that happened to these law enforcement officers were um, two sergeants were suspended without pay for guess how many days. Mm. 10 to 15 days 10 to 15 days you lost 15 days worth of pay for this man has a lifetime memory lifetime memory you could have fucked his whole nba career up you know so that's what they know so that's what i'm saying dustin until the laws change and require law enforcement to articulate a necessity Mm-hmm. For excessive or deadly force, they going This is gonna keep happening, and you know who? It's like you know, I'm cheap. I'm very fiscally conservative, so I have a problem morally, but I have a problem economically. These mm-hmm. officers are draining the pocketbooks of us, paying their salaries to be racist assholes, and making us pay out their claims of wrongdoing. Do people not get this shit? Yeah. That money comes directly from us. That's from the tax base. That's our money. Paying for law enforcement officers who choose to be fucking terrorists. And it's a choice. Did you hear the change in inflection and tone of voice when they were talking about what would happen? If if one thing goes wrong with this, the first thing they got to say, oh, he's a racist. Oh, it's racism. That's how smug and blatantly... Smug just disrespectful these officers where they don't give a damn about what's been going on in this public outcry for simply fair treatment you know on a shot at life they don't give a fuck they make fun of it and then it's a slap on the wrist seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars is a slap on the wrist to that police budget but it is a slap in the face of taxpayers so it's 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 a shame and i hate to see it in fun real random fact He's the brother of um, Shannon Brown, Monica. Oh, Monica's ex husband. Yeah, Monica's ex husband. And I remember when this took place, Monica being vocal about this in the very beginning about something because they have a good, they are, they appear to be close. Um, And I I remember Monica speaking about this. So this has actually been on my radar for quite some time now. Um, And I just think $750,000 is a shame. It ain't shit. It's really not shit in the in the grand scheme of things. And again, it's not even like these officers are paying it. We are. Yeah. Yeah. We are. We're paying it. So I'll just recall my call to action. Y'all, mm-hmm. we got to, you know, some Biden Kamala in there. We need to flip these. I'm t- it's really disconnect. It's, it is honestly disconnected. This is how this shit is connected, Dustin. Biden and Kamala will take office in January. They will have a mandate to the Black community to right the wrongs of their collective 
misdoings around issues yes. of black people and police because they both got yes. arrested. Okay. Yep. So go ahead and make right on that. I want the Senate, which what we need is for Georgia to finish what they've started and we love That's them right. for it. Let's go That's ahead and right. put both of those seats so we have a Senate that is controlled by a Democratic Party. Then we must make these Democrats deliver on the things they have promised Black America, first and foremost, among other things like closing the wealth gap, going and change this law as it relates to police ability to use deadly force against our, our people. That's what we need. Specific, blatant changes to change. the law. That's what we yes. need. We must change the articulation of these standards, Dustin, if we are to ever to see a day where brothers like Sterling Brown, you, me, mm -hmm. and every other Black person mm -hmm. in this country don't have to be subject to the smugness, the arrogance, and the terror of law enforcement in America. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. Next up, we are going to go extremely deep, right, around the original viral video of a black man being terrorized, being within his life. And that, of course, is Rodney King. Now, this is fresh on our minds because we know this summer we, as a country, as a black America, as a full America, have confronted, I believe, for the first time in a long time, the need for a racial revolution, right? Mm -hmm. That comes, of course, on the heels of the killing of Brother George Floyd when we come back from break. All right, Dustin, so yes. again, we're going to get into this 92 shit. Um, I kind of remember it. I was young. Give me just like a refresher on like really how this Let's shit went Let's go all down. the way back. Yeah. First of all, this was on March 3rd, 1991, when the incident took place when Rodney King was pulled over, mm -hmm. driving through Los Angeles with two of his friends in the car. Mm -hmm. They had been out drinking, um, watching a game, a uh, basketball game, I believe it was. Yep. And the police pulled him over for speeding, well, attempted to, and that led to a chase. Okay. Um, 30 years ago, this actually was caught on a video camcorder by a nearby resident. So that's mm -hmm. how we got the camcorder. That's how we got the footage of this. Right. How we pull out. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. So someone actually had a camcorder at this time. Footage of the brutality against Rodney King literally went viral yeah. all over the country. It still exists online today, It was like the today, original obviously. viral video. Yeah, right? like the first one that I can remember in my Same. lifetime. Same. Um, and so uh, this actually, the four police officers who were involved in the Look incident. That. Look at that. Four. four police officers. So here's the alignment. George Floyd. Four police officers. The alignment begins, right? Begins. So those four police officers were charged for use of excessive force, okay. and their trial began one year later and concluded in April of 92 mm -hmm. with the jury acquitted uh, where, excuse me, the jury acquitted three of the four officers and reached no conclusion on the fourth. So essentially all four of them got exactly. They walked. They walked. We know that this led to complete pandemonium and, and, and a necessary civil unrest at the time. Um, and there began to be protests mm -hmm. in the Los Angeles area. I like how you say protest and not riots. Yeah, because that's what they were. This yep. wasn't an act of, of rioting in this, in these neighborhoods just for the sake of or right. to, you know, some mass theft of, as a community this was a reaction to us all seeing this violence take place against Rodney King yep. and then the officers just walking what do you do when you feel like the system has failed you in that way here's why I think it was so crazy 
we saw the video. Mm-hmm. Everybody saw the video. It was pretty much undisputed that, that at some point Rodney King was on the ground, on the asphalt, on the side of the road, getting getting his ass Beat, beat down. Yes. Billy clubs. Yes. Nightsticks. Yes. Everything. And it was four of them and one of him. So at some point, because, you know, the, the legal argument that law enforcement likes to make in these situations, mm-hmm. Dustin, is they were in they were in fear. Right. They were in peril. So that that is the only thing that would ever justify an officer's use of that kind of force. And so at some point that it was so long Mm -hmm. that they were beating Rodney King's ass. This brother was within an inch of his life. Mm -hmm. I mean, we remember, I remember very clearly, I will tell you what I I see in my mind right now, Dustin, is how bruised and bloody. You can see that that image stays with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this man was almost beat to death. I mean, let's just say it plain. And so at some point there's no argument to be made that, that Rodney King's a threat to you. You can't make that argument mm-hmm. no more. So we saw this. So I think everybody, even white America, had to be thinking they are going to be convicted. It was it was it was undeniable once you saw the footage of them beating him so savagely. And I think that I think we have to pause here because when people look back at the the protest and the quote riots of of 92 in L.A., mm-hmm. I think people forget because it's been so many times since then, Dustin, that we've seen black men and women being brutalized on camera and videotaped and all this shit. And and, and sadly, now in 2020, we know the likely outcome. Mm -hmm. But this was the first time this happened. And so in 92, I really feel that people were shocked beyond belief. Yes. That a videotape can so clearly evidence the beating of this black man uh, defensively. He, he had no weapon. He was unarmed. Four white officers beat his ass within an inch of his life for the world to see. And we just knew they were going to get acquitted because they weren't even charged with um, attempted murder no, or anything high. Force. It was just an excessive force. Like if that ain't excessive force. Which that alone is an issue. The after, charging. Yes. Yeah. After you see the footage, exactly. the fact that the only thing they were charged with was excessive force. I think that should have been the first uh, hint, Indicator. yeah, you know, right. of what was going to come next. But yeah. that that it, it seeing those officers, seeing those four officers be acquitted, it made you ask yourself some questions because it was undeniable that they committed a violent act against this man. Yeah. It was undeniable that they savagely beaten that they had savagely beaten this man, but they were acquitted. So it, it, it made. So you how ask does why. that happen? Okay, so let's talk about the why. Yeah. How does this happen? So. This part I had to go research. Mm-hmm. It made sense. Mm-hmm. As soon as I saw that the jury was, uh, they, they relocated this mm-hmm. trial. Mm-hmm. Now, Rodney King was beat in L.A. County proper. Yes. What's, well, who's the demographic? That's a very diverse community, Dustin. Mm-hmm. It was in 92. It still is mm-hmm. in 2020. Mm-hmm. You got white people, black people, a lot of Latino mm-hmm. ethnic communities. So that jury pool, if it had been in L.A. County like it should have been, would have probably very well represented the diversity of the community. And since they knew that, they relocated it to where, Ebony? Simi Valley. Mm. They moved this shit right to Simi Valley, which is what? Uh, almost exclusively white community. And you know what that leaves? Almost exclusive. Not almost. In this case, exclusively white jurors. It was an all-white jury pool who, by their very nature, was predisposed to a lot of the things that that, that the world and the media says about black men. We're going to get into that in a minute. Yes. So that jury pool said not guilty, not guilty, 
not guilty, we don't know. Yeah. That's how that happened. Yeah. Which is essentially the same thing as saying not guilty. Exactly. How the hell you don't know? Yeah. What's confusing? Yeah. What's unclear? And there was nothing that was unclear after you saw the footage. That's the thing. And I think that that's why it got, it garnered the reaction that it did from everybody. Yeah. It was it was utterly ridiculous. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah. It broke America's heart. It broke, it broke black America's heart. And, and here's the thing, Dustin. And I've been spending some real time looking back at the quote footage. Um, I've been watching some of these documentaries. Mm-hmm. Some of them do a great job of showing you. L.A. was on fire. Mm-hmm. It was like Watts riots mm-hmm. all over again. Mm-hmm. L.A. was burning. It was stores. It was buildings. It was lootings. It was all kinds of pandemonium and shit. But I don't think any of this is accidental. So let's look at where the politics mm-hmm. of the country were at the mm-hmm. time. So in 92, I remember the war on drugs being a very big thing. Um, you had President George H.W. Bush. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first Bush one. one. Mm-hmm. So this is what he said. The first, Right. <laughs> round one. Here I like to call him the burning Bush. Go Ooh. ahead, Ebony. <laughs> well, shit now. Okay. So Bush one says this. Good evening. This is the first time since taking the oath of office that I felt an issue was so important, so threatening, that it warranted talking directly with you, the American people. All of us agree that the gravest domestic threat facing our nation today is drugs. Drugs have strained our faith in our system of justice. In short, drugs are sapping our strength as a nation. Turn on the evening news or pick up the morning paper and you'll see what some Americans know just by stepping out their front door. Our most serious problem today is cocaine and in particular crack. Bush said this uh, to the American people back in 89, which sets up, Dustin, a very scared, a very hypervigilant white America that says black folks, black men in general are what? They're all uh, drug dealers, drug users, drug users. Yes, they're all they actually are the greatest threat to American democracy and society. I mean, you got the president of the United States saying this. Yeah. Very unapologetically, and I think very intentionally. L- least we forget George H.W. Bush, uh, architect of the great Willie Horton ad. Bush and Dukakis on crime. Bush supports the death penalty for first-degree murderers. Dukakis not only opposes the death penalty, he allowed first-degree murderers to have weekend passes from prison. One was Willie Horton, who murdered a boy in a robbery, stabbing him 19 times. Despite a life sentence, Horton received 10 weekend passes from prison. Horton fled, kidnapped a young couple, stabbing the man and repeatedly raping his girlfriend. Weekend prison passes. Dukakis on crime. You know, so we can't forget this shit, Dustin. It all connects. That's what we're talking about on the episode, the connections. Willie Horton, where George H.W. Bush and his team put out an ad that talked about the um, the release of certain mm-hmm. uh, prisoners for mm-hmm. weekend passes. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that the one prisoner that looked up at the camera with piercing, menacing eyes was a black man by the name of Willie Horton. But you create this this narrative that America must be fearful of the black man. That's the narrative. Yeah. And it has the devastating consequence of Rodney King. And then we fast forward to 2020 George and it has the Floyd. same consequence of George Floyd. This shit started long ago. Uh. Long ago. Long ago. So I think that's important. I want to talk a little bit about who was the AG at the time. <laughs> the attorney general known as the top cop. Right? right. Your attorney general is the chief law enforcement officer of the country. It was a guy. This name. Maybe it sounds familiar. William Barr. So 
William Okay, Barr? so hold up. Isn't that crazy? So hold up. So you mean to tell me that back in 1992, mm-hmm. the AG, the Attorney General of the United States, who was appointed into that role at that time, yep, by was the, the same person mm-hmm. who is now appointed into that seat, into that position, by the sitting president today. That's what you're telling me, Ebony. That's exactly During what I'm the Rodney you. King incident, yep. during the, 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 the protests that followed, mm-hmm. that tore the city up, yep. okay? That same AG yeah. is the one who is sitting today during this George Floyd situation. The exact same one. Not one like him. Not his son. Right. <laughs> not his cousin. William Barr. William Barr. William Barr was the sitting attorney general of the United States of America in 1992 under George H.W. Bush. Fast forward. He is sitting attorney general under Trump's administration overseeing the climate that led to George Floyd's death. That's what I'm telling you. wonder why they got him, huh? Ms. Jackson Lee. John Lewis in 1963 said we are tired about being beat by police. We're tired of being put in jail. We want our freedom now. Mr. Attorney General, in your remarks, you indicated that we've made great progress since that time. And so I ask you this question. Does the Trump Justice Department seek to end systemic racism and racism in law enforcement? I just need a yes or no answer. To the extent there is racism in any of our institutions in this country and the police, then obviously this administration will fully enforce this. So you agree that there may be systemic racism? To the extent, in in where, where? Uh, let me continue my line of questioning. I, I don't agree that there's systemic racism in the police department. Again, Dustin, nobody's seeing the correlation. Mm-hmm. This is literally hidden in plain sight. Like it's right Woo! there. Yeah. So, Dustin, one of the questions I get a lot is why would I come from a very successful career as a practicing attorney yes. where I spent many years practicing um, in criminal defense specifically? Yes. And really making sure in courtrooms, our people were represented to the best of my professional and human capability. And that's important work. No, it is important work. I'm humbled. I was humbled to do it then. I'm humbled uh, that I was able to do it. Mm -hmm. But that that camera and this microphone, this is where the work starts. So I left the practice of trial work to become a part of the work we do as broadcasters, Dustin, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because just like our president back then said, just like our president right now knows, Mm -hmm. the power of mass media Mm -hmm. to create and sustain narratives about who our people are as black citizens of this country is the the most fundamental threat to our ability to be Free and safe in American society. And I mean that with every fiber in my being. Nothing is more important than the way we are portrayed in media. And you were telling me um, before we started rolling a a, a very painful story, but I believe it. One of my friends who is actually Dominican, of Mm -hmm. Dominican descent, he was telling me that his mother, his grandmother, rather, and great-grandmother, when they came to the United States from the Dominican Republic, they didn't speak English. And so they relied on what they saw on the news mm. to inform them about certain things in America right. and about their experience living here in America. And because of the portrayal of black Americans and specifically black men on the news at the time, mm. his grandmother and his great-grandmother developed a, you know— a hatred for yeah. black men and they they became racist toward black people because of what they were presented, the image that they were presented with on the news. Th- that is how they began to identify what they saw around them. Yeah. And they rolled with that. And That's what informed a, yeah. their 
understanding yeah. of blackness yes. in America and black yes. men. And so when you got your president talking about the war on drugs, you got your president talking about crack houses and crack dens being a threat to your well-being to walk out your house yeah. safely as America. Of course, when Rodney King and two of his friends are simply enjoying a night out, they've been having a little bit to drink, like it, it, anybody among us, who, who among us, yeah. right? Drug out, beat within an inch of your life, and and no justice. Yeah. No justice. So, yeah, when L.A. burned, I wasn't surprised. Um, and I, I really think a lot of people, even within our own community, Dustin, started to, to me, distract from the issue. Mm-hmm. It stopped being about Rodney King being beat within an inch of his life and receiving no justice around it because all those officers were acquitted. And then it started to be this conversation about, well, why are we burning our own communities? Why are we looting? This sound familiar? Sound familiar? Because that's exactly what happened right now in 2020 with yeah. George Floyd. When certain celebrities were going on Instagram Live crying about, you know, the Gucci store being Listen. looted and things like that. Another point of note, if the commander in chief of the United States is speaking, of course, all the news media outlets are listening. And when he says you turn on your TV and pick up your newspaper and you can see these things, the executives and the people in positions of power and influence at these media outlets who have those same views as the as that president did, mm-hmm. they're listening to that. And so they're yeah. going to cater and He's taper. What they, that's He's producing. literally producing He's being the executive Thank producer. And, and we who is that like? Oh, hello. Who was sitting down watching that shit back then and yep. who has replicated that? Uh, far beyond <laughs> just that that uh, that was tame compared to what we've seen what they say the criminal always comes back to the uh to the scene, scene of, the of the crime, crime. right so baby. that's what we're doing here baby if you know i guess listen if 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 the goal here is to establish a, a racist system to keep things where they would like them to be they sent the best say it do you want to call them what do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. Supremacists and Who right would you like supremacists. me to condemn? White proud supremacists boys. and right proud Stand back and stand by. I really want to take some time, Dustin, to break down exactly what we're looking at when it comes to 2020. Yes. George Floyd. We know that probably sometime later in the year or early next year, this trial will take place. But for some reason, George Floyd in particular... His killing was enough to awaken the consciousness of the American uh, fabric and white Americans in particular. Now, I have a theory. Yes. Lay it on me. And it looks a lot like the theory that I had in 1992 Mm -hmm. when America paid special attention to to Rodney King and Mm -hmm. his plea. So when you think about Rodney King, the famous thing that we all remember is him saying, can't Can't we we all all just just get get along? along? And when he said it, Dustin, he was so broken down like you know what I mean he was it was it was like a desperate plea it was as if he'd been so beaten broke down by the system it was all he could say so he was as as non-threatening and submissive as a black man could be Uh fast forward to now when we watch the George Floyd tape, what is George Floyd? And when we see him, he's on the ground. Uh He's already he had already been in cuffs. He's begging out for his mama in the afterlife. He's as non-threatening and non-violent as a black man can be. And then and only then, it looks as if uh, the, the world thinks he's 
worthy of life. Yeah. And 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 I don't want to get too conclusive, Dustin, but it does give me pause. Well, absolutely. Yeah, to to think like, huh? It, are those the requirements mm-hmm. of a black Must man's one be posture? Palatable in order for us to have compassion for them losing their life at the hands of police violence. Do they have? Does a black man have to show up stripped of? all autonomy, power, and agency in order for them to be deemed worthy of life. Man. Because if that's the requirement, Dustin, we've really overreacted in a way that's going to keep leading us to these cases, right? It's interesting that in both the Rodney King case and in the George Floyd case, we see black men broken. And it's only when they've they've almost been broken in by society. And in these two cases, very literally by law enforcement, so aggressively, like just massively overpowering and dominating them and stripping them of every bit of currency that they have as men on this earth. Then do we feel empathy? Well, yes. And it all ties again. These parallels are so uncanny. When I want to give a prescription here, Dustin, and talk about where the culture can be proactive Mm -hmm. in ensuring that this, the outcome we saw in 92 doesn't have to be the outcome we see in 2020. Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be the outcome we see in 2030. Yes. I think it goes back to this narrative creation and disassembling of this narrative. Mm -hmm. I think everybody, black folks, white folks, allies, anybody that thinks this shit is wrong on Mm -hmm. any level has to be a proactive curator of a new narrative mm-hmm. of who black men and black people are in this country. Yes, and we do. And I do think some things are different. So who is outraged looks different, as you pointed out. Absolutely correct. I also think just five years ago, saying black lives matter mm-hmm. was a radical statement mm-hmm. that was met with huge opposition. Mm-hmm. Now, even like poll tested, saying black lives matter more people than not agree with that now. Mm-hmm. That's a big difference, Dustin. Now, I don't think that absolves us of all worry by any stretch, but I do think it's indicative of the fact that the narrative can be changed. It's progress. It's progress. Yeah. And, it, and if that can be changed, right, if Black Lives Matter goes from this horrific, radical uh, position to a very common sense and reasonable which position, has always been. which is, it's, that's, that's my point though, baby, <laughs> is the narrative isn't different it's the acceptance mm-hmm. of the narrative. Black Lives Matter means the same thing today as it always did. Yeah. What is different is the way it is being perceived. Mm-hmm. Listen, y'all, thank you so much for listening uh, to Holding Court. Please, y'all, follow us, subscribe, tell your friends, help us continue to get the word out about this podcast. Check out the episode notes, Holding Court. Listen, it comes to you from Uppity Productions in association with Dossie Media. It's presented by the Black Effect Network from iHeartRadio. Our sound engineers and editors for this episode were Fela Davis and Dennis Orenbeckoff. Join us again next Wednesday when we hold court. And in the meantime, spread knowledge and love Wear your mask. Wear a mask. Not the Rona. That's right. (laughs) 